When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to another episode of the best bets show here on the field of 68 youtube channel we are the three man weave we're hosting today as usual i'm jim root joined by matt cox kai McEwen. shout out to bet rivers our terrific sponsor for helping us out with the show fellas a lot of games yesterday quiet one today calm before the storm of tomorrow uh so we'll get some takeaways we can actually get into them a little bit if you want to since there's only 14 games to even discuss today Matt, I'll start with you. What jumped out to you yesterday? What are you feeling like uh, telling the chat mobbers today? Uh, Gonzaga continues to do the old uh, tiptoe around the fire pit, but then, you know, casually escape at the very end. Everyone's saying they're not as good as as we all thought preseason. And guess what? They're right. Darn Zags just don't have that same juju this year. It should be a fun season overall. Like, I think this ultimately ends in like a sweet 16 or maybe uh elite eight run but i don't just i don't see the zags team as open as this field is kai i don't see the zags team getting all the way this year which is a sad sad fact that i have to live with because every year the optimism reigns will zags finally get over the hump this year this year it's not gonna be the year you know it's funny you say that but watch them have their best tournament ever this season it can happen like they a fluky Al- tournament run yeah i agree that, yeah, that'd be very alabama, that'd be perfect last year with like their eighth best team of the last 10 years yeah beat yeah, alabama sure. beat xavier this year i think they're still pretty good I, they're not dominating clearly that's what i wrote down actually as well um oh and three ats last three wins by two five and one so yes not the dominant zags we're used to but hey maybe the wcc is getting a little bit better as well fellas the the other teams in that conference besides byu they're, they're kind of down they still uh, almost won yesterday my other takeaway jim here Iowa covered in overtime against Michigan. Whew, T's and P's for those who had Michigan. They won by Me. nine. If if you have a dog of like five or more and it goes to overtime, it should be an automatic winner. Zero yeah. shot. No chance. And we've seen multiple. I've had multiple games this year where overtime's a blowout. And it's very strange to see. Uh, just, just the other day, Missouri State lost by 10 in overtime to Illinois State. Craziness. Uh, how overtimes become blowouts is is fascinating to me, Jim. Yep, I still never forget. I think like three, four years ago, I lost a plus 12 and a half in overtime. NCANT lost by 13 in overtime. This is painful as I've ever seen. Uh, just brutal. Uh, yeah, I wrote down, I don't get the warm and fuzzies from Gonzaga. There's just something missing there. They've got late game juju, but I, I don't know that the the uh, actual product is that solid. And that gives me some real concern for them in postseason. And then just player availability, man. It, it is brutal. Uh, Carlson being out late scratch for Utah, Jalen mm-hmm. Cohn late scratch for Northern Arizona, uh, Oliver and Stone late scratches for Detroit. Like it doesn't seem to be getting any better as yep. the year goes on, nope. unfortunately. And that is just uh, a landmine when you're betting a, a sport that has very little uh, pregame information. So uh, we just kind of have to power through that, unfortunately. Support local news. <laughs> there you go. Support local news. Yeah. Pay for the $1 subscription to every single website. You man. hypocrite. You hypocrite. I do Almost not. Show. I don't do it. You hypocrite. Sorry. I don't I get to. Well, I do get paid, but I don't get paid for three-man weave writing. No, sir. Uh, all right. Let's 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 get into the slate here. It's actually kind of a solid Saturday or uh, Sexy, me, a yeah. Friday 
Friday slate, like good games. Uh, we'll start with Michigan at Illinois, the big one in the Big Ten here. Two teams that are definitely trending up right now. They look better than they have most of the season. Uh, Matt, how does that shape up the matchup for you here with Malik Callback? Michigan State is now 6-2 and two against the spread on the year. Illinois, yep. been really solid last two. What do you make of this? Yeah, I took Illinois uh, first half. I wrote this up for Action Network, actually. I uh, missed the good number. Opened, yeah, four and a half, five up to six, six and a half. I just think Michigan State's playing too well right now to feel confident backing Illinois to keep them at a touchdowns distance the whole game, especially with how well Hogarth's playing at point. And you're right, they're getting some good contributions on the wing and up front. Uh, and Illinois came out like guns blazing first half last game against Nebraska on the road. I think they... I think Underwood like talked about that in his press conference. He wants to like come out fast, set their tone early, come with intensity, a little more defensive pressure. So I see Illinois come out to a fast start in this game, probably hovering around five to 10 the rest of the way. But all things considered, I am all the way back in on the Illinois is fine train. Yeah, Illinois took money. I was a little surprised. Um, I, I guess folks agree with you, Matt, that Illinois is back. They could be, they're uh, back. but there are two wins that people are saying they're back for. They beat which was dicey for a while, and they beat Nebraska the worst team in the Big Ten, maybe Minnesota, et cetera, et cetera. Michigan State's been awesome with Hall back in lineup. They're 4-0 straight up. They're 4-0 against the spread. I still think they're undervalued right now in their current version. Their only loss all season with Malik Hall in the lineup, Gonzaga, by one point. They're a very good team with him in. Their depth is so much better. They don't have to play some of their lesser big guys. Um, Illinois swept Sparty last year, Jim. They beat him in Champaign by one point. It is a tough home court, but I think Sparty can keep it close here. I don't believe the current uh, analytical rankings are correct that have Illinois 15 and 20 spots higher than Sparty. I think they're just as good. So I'm leaning towards Michigan State here. I'm with you. I, I view them as pretty even. Um, it, one thing that scares me on the side is is also a part of my total handicap here. Uh, Michigan State has no one's made threes against them so far in Big Ten play, I think 27%. And Illinois has also been kind of cold from deep. So if there's like the double effect of regression there, Illinois gets hot. That could be uh, an issue, but that's part of why I like the over and the over is my best bet here. Ooh, Jimmy with an over. Wow. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. Ah, uh, over 137. <laughs> um, both teams will have played two slow opponents uh, recently. Kai, you mentioned uh, Wisconsin is in both of their schedules and then uh, Nebraska in there. Who's also a slow team this year. I think there's a little bit of a potential slingshot effect uh, going on here and then you'll see a lot of stretches in this game where neither danger or Sissoko are on the floor which means no true rim protector a little more open floor potentially higher tempo easier to get to the rim I think that leads to a more higher scoring matchup uh, compared to some of the games in the Big Ten that have two plotting big men or, or like a centerpiece in the paint at all times uh, so I like the over quite a bit given some of that regression the matchup and possibly a little bit of a, an up-tempo matchup uh, all right, that's it for that game. Let's go to Villanova and Butler. Man, Kai, I'm calling this the Big East Disappointment Bowl because both of these teams, I think, have yes. really underperformed. The difference for me is that Butler has an effort problem and Villanova doesn't, so I lean towards Villanova. Yeah, uh, Villanova's in deep trouble. They're currently outside of the tourney picture right now, lost four or five, including a game to DePaul, but you said it, man. Butler's been bad. They have a major quit factor. When they see when they see adversity, they quit playing hard. They die quick. They're prone to blowouts. They've beaten one team this year in the top 70, Jim. That was K-State somehow. The margins in their other games against the top 70, they've lost by an average of 18 points per game. Only one game was within double digits. That was Penn State. 
not a good sign. You know what Villanova ranks, Matt? Number 68. That's right. And they're the better team right now. Um, no long Gino. That's been a problem. They're 0-2 against the spread without him. Maybe you stay away because of that. I do think it's a bit of a tough call here, but I lean towards Nova because if they break the dogs early, it's over. They won't come back. Yeah, I fully wave in the white flag on Butler. I just the final epiphany was their their team in which they envisioned it never had a chance to become a team. And it's basically like the practice trial that Ali Ali's going through and Jalen Thomas are going through the last four or five games. When you watch the games, it doesn't like there's no sync at all in offense. Couple that with the defensive lapses, which is not a team you want to bet on, right? Like I think you if you're gonna back a Thad Mata coach team, you need a Thad Mata to have his whole team the whole offseason, not like this chapter two where we're trying to throw guys in there and just it's not working. Um, I like Nova. I don't love Nova without Jordan Longino. Um, but uh it certainly gets against this Butler team right now. I don't I don't mind backing them. Yeah, I, Butler is a rollover team right now. Maybe they stand up like they've had pretty solid success against Villanova in the past at Hinkle, but this is different coaches on both sidelines, so I don't know how much I take that historical trend into account. Trivia question for both of you. In 10 Tier A and B games this year for Butler, what is Eric Hunter's offensive rating? Uh, it's 60, 40. 75. So out on Eric Hunter. 65. Ooh, I mean, he wow. has been horrible against good competition mm. like heinously bad yeah. and villanova's decent competition i mean they don't pressure so maybe his turnover woes won't be as evident but man he he has kind of been like the weak link for that team it's been a real problem yeah he played a lot less last game i wonder if if mod is trying to is going to start really you know phase him out is because they finally have some depth i don't know but yeah he's just they been just nothing really ha- like do you want chuck harris as your lead ball handler he's erratic too they yes. don't have the steady point yeah guard. it's got to be taylor or lukosius Lush Koshish. Yeah. yeah. Taylor also erratic too. So yeah. All right. Next true. up, yes. we'll go west. Go west. Big one in the mountain west here. Utah State at Nevada. Two teams that have been really, really solid, probably uh, above expectations so far this season. Uh no Ryland Jones on the Utah State side. He's still dealing with his concussion slash unannounced uh ailment. Matthew, you are our resident Wolfpack expert. Do we back them today? Mm, I don't know. I respect uh, Utah State too much. I know Utah State away from home is a little bit more mortal than invincible, as we've seen them look uh, at the spectrum when that's going. But uh, I think Nevada has hit their peak value-wise. It's that simple for me. Um, We've done nothing wrong the last few games. I think San Diego State, uh, to battle like that in the second half, they could have easily folded. Very impressive. And they've been pretty good like as a road fan. I mean, they put San Jose State to absolute sleep the game before, a team that's been ultra-feisty. Um, so if you keep believing this Wolfpack squad, which I did for basically, you know, six weeks and I salute you here, I just don't think it's the right price. Uh, it's a Utah state team that while away from home is really, really good. Uh, they're not as good as the, they're not as good though, away from home as they are at home. They're six and two at home against the spread two and two in true roadies. Um, and I think Nevada's proven that they can play against the big dogs already, um, in the non-con and, and within the mountain West with their Boise state when they have a shot to win the league. Shot net at large. Uh, their key is defending the arc. No one's hit a better three-point percentage in the country than Utah State this year. They are money from downtown, even without Ryland Jones. Um, I think Nevada can get this one done, Jim. I, I lean towards the pack at home at minus two. Yeah, sorry, I haven't been seeing the lines. Uh, Nevada minus two. Uh, Villanova yeah. was minus one in their game at Illinois, minus six, six and a half uh, against Michigan State. Yeah, I kind of like Utah State. I, I just buy the offense, even without Jones. I thought they looked really sharp last game. I think the shot quality stuff said it was a lot closer than it was. I, I don't know. They just don't miss threes, man. Like I buy that their shooters are that good. 
when Taylor Funk mm. is your best shooter, he's like a career 45% guy on high, high, high volume. Yep. I believe it. Maybe being on the road is is maybe too far to to go. So I didn't actually bet that one. All right, next up, last one before we go to uh, chat mob, Yale at Cornell. Big Ivy Friday showdown showing up on the outline here, even before the first chat break. Yale is a one-point road favorite here, Kai. This is kind of a maybe a passing of the torch game. Mm-hmm. Yale has been the dominant team in the league for a few years, but, man, Cornell's coming for that crown. Yeah, I watched Cornell this year a bit. They're truly awesome. Their offense is mega efficient. They move the ball well. They shoot and make a ton of threes. But Yale's a scary team, too. I, I still think they're one of the – excuse me, I think they are the best team in the Ivy still, Yale. Uh, should be hyper-focused to get back to 500 in Ivy play. They split the series last year. Cornell can definitely beat them. And Yale has to handle the ball, Matt. Cornell's pressure destroyed Penn. That was eye-opening to me. They've been very good defensively at forcing right. turnovers. They have not been good defensively inside the arc, inside the paint. Among the worst two-point field goal percentage defenses in the country, Yale has a major advantage there. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Last season, when Brian Earl ramped up the tempo, these games played to 80 and 73 possessions. Yeah. I think there's going to be yeah. a lot of points, a lot of efficiency, and good pace in this one. My best bet in this one is the over, 145 and a half, Matthew. I agree with that. I mean, I think where we saw Cornell exposed a little bit was inside against Princeton, but even then, like, they have some... Like I, I keep making the joke about how non-talented this team is. Like they have a couple of like Guy Ragland's a, a big body. He's long. He can defend, and that's what you have to do up front against Yale. That's where their strength is. They got Noling back, who's looked pretty healthy, albeit hasn't really translated to to wins or I guess covers lately. Um, but Cornell, best bet. Like point simple. I love this team. I feel like they're completely undervalued even at this point in the year. Um, first time that teams play them, even though Yale has familiarity from last year. Uh, the first time I think they see the Ivy teams, even they are caught off guard. They play so fast. Every shot's an easy open look, whether it's a layup, a backdoor cut, or three. Um, and shot, they don't turn the ball over, which is crazy because they take like there's a lot of high risk passes involved in their offense. I'm just riding this Cornell Mojo, plain and simple. So plus one, big red, best bet, boom. Yeah, they, they like without watching them, I'm like, oh, what? Who is this? Just like a bunch of Ivy guys like executing really well. But like Chris Mannon is a legit man. Just like athlete. yeah, freak. Nazir like, Williams can play. Yeah, so, Dolan's yeah, great. Like they're. they're way better than like I mentally gave them credit for. And you combine that mm-hmm. with Earl's coaching. It's like, God, this team is outstanding. Um, I sat it out. I kind of like the points angle. I think last year's tempo is very indicative of what we'll see a little bit this year. Yale's better inside than they were last year, but still, uh, I, I think, I think that's a, a sharp angle. All right, it's probably worth mentioning on. real quick. Sorry, Jim. It's, this is like a buy high sell <laughs> or a buy high sell low spot. So if you're into that, then definitely don't take Cornell, but like you're well, definitely getting Yale the cheapest. It's not like they just, that's true. That's true. Barnstorming right now. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Chat mob. Kai, my czar, what do we got? Two questions for this part, guys, Matt, number one, St. Peter's at Quinnipiac from William spread is 10. Quinnipiac's favored by 10 against St. Peter's. Yep. Too many. I see you're going there. I know Quinnipiac just beat Iona by a million, which is yes. largely why they're overpriced right now. Some mar- some money came in on St. Pete. I think that's the right side. I'd still take it at 10. Like these two teams played early this year. The line closed five uh, and St. Peter's was without Murray and Sadler that game. So I think they're actually better now than they were at that point. Yeah. You could say Quinnipiac's better, but I'd argue they're actually more just overvalued because of the last game, not like truly better than that first matchup. Oh, by the way, they beat them in that first matchup too. So I love Quinn. I love Pete here tonight, actually. They're, it's such a, it's, that line's huge. Quinnipiac's <laughs> definitely better, but yeah, it's inflated. 10 points. The Mac is weird. 
anybody can beat anybody. So I, I, I like the dog. That there. might be a money line. I mean, you know, let's let's uh, let's put this. Let's you know, archive this. Twice? Let's yeah, archive this. Yes. Yesterday. Hey, Matt should call Minnesota money line yesterday, please. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jeff. Less him. banana. Jeff. Less banana pudding. More archive video digging. We need to be posting that for content. <laughs> That's just inexcusable. But it's obvious content right there. It's poor leadership at the top. Jim from Matthew in the chat. We have uh, Eastern Michigan against Akron in a MAC battle. 13 and a half point spread. What do you think? Well, it's Eastern Michigan and we've pretty much sworn them off. Uh, I think that team is like a straight up joke at this point. Line's embarrassing. It's an absolute embarrassing line. 13 and a half to Akron. Are you kidding me? And I still kind of lean Akron because, oh, I know that they're decently coached and competent and Imani Bates isn't going to take 50 mid-range jumpers against a compact Akron defense that will force him into that. Uh, yeah, I like don't touch Eastern Michigan unless you are brave, brave or masochistic. Uh, I think it'd be Akron or nothing. Likely probably the over because of the way Eastern Michigan defends, but I also think Akron slows the tempo down. So not not a big strong take on the total either. And I do have one more. I lied. I have three. Uh Canisius and Marist, Matt from Ed, another Mac battle. Canisius is favored by four at home in Buffalo. What do you think? Uh, yeah, interesting. Kempom has this uh, eight points, so a pretty big discrepancy wow. here, which, yeah, I know. Um, and yeah, I'll be honest, I've been one lot. of the few Marist believers all season, and I've been pretty wrong on that, although they're coming off a fairly impressive win against Mount St. Marist at home. Maybe they're turning around. I kind of believe in John Dunn. I think the roster is better than it looks on paper. Uh, maybe a buy low spot for Marist, but not a lot of conviction, obviously, in any MAC game. Yeah, I will say, Kai, on this, just, I mentioned it to you uh, before on the, uh, in, our, in our chat, I almost made the under here my best bet. I think it's going to be slow. It's been bet down. But eight of the last nine between these two have gone over, and that's with Mm -hmm. Dunn and Witherspoon on the sideline. So maybe there's something to their styles that leads to the over. That kept me off making that my best bet. Uh, Just a note, uh, the Buffalo trip is hell for these MAC teams. So if you want to bet a Marist, you got to be really sure that you want to bet on Marist. Canisius has not been in their home building. <laughs> are, they still, sure. are they still at Niagara today? <laughs> this one's back at Canisius for the first time. Back Canisius, yeah. Yep. That's tough. All righty. That does it for Chatmob Part 1, Jim. Back to All you. Right, let's go A-10. VCU at Dayton, I think coming into the year, we thought these would be two of the top three teams. I kind of think they actually are. Uh, it's bearing out to be that way. Dayton looks like the most dominant force in the league. Their defense just is clowning A-10 teams. Uh, they're giving up, I think, like 0.87 points per possession in league play. It's ridiculous. They're huge. They don't even have their point guard back yet, Matthew. Uh, but at seven and a half, out of touchdown, is that too many points for a VCU team that's actually been pretty competent on offense? They're making 49% of their threes. Yeah, in they are. Play. Wow. Yeah. They just started Nick Kern last game. I mean, like a uh, starting cha- the change in the starting rotation. I, it seems like there's a little more offensive skill that's blossoming within this VCU team, right? Like it's still very much a defensive minded team, team that can go through scoring droughts, not fun to watch at times. But, you know, with, with Zeb Jackson in there and, and Brandon Johns, I think there's like some more upside um, that does scare me um, because I do want to take Dayton here. I'm just kind of all in on this Dayton resurgence trying to ride it before the uh, the value sucked out. But yeah, tough matchup here with VCU, which with an offense that I kind of like the way it's playing right now, Kai. Yeah, Dayton's running rough shot over the A-10 right now. Like Jim said, without its point guard. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. They're 4-0 four, they're against the spread, nine-point cover margin in those games, not just winning by nine, nine-point cover margin. And they've, they've had pretty big spreads as well. VCU 3-1 against the spread in the A-10, four-point cover margin. They are coming alive as well, but... Man, I'm not going against this Dayton team. Their lack of point guard worries me against VCU, with apologies to Mongolian Mike, who is awesome. 
but VCU's turnover edge is going to be pretty stark in this game. Uh, Dayton holds the edge inside. Deron Holmes is awesome. They also don't foul. 11th in the country in free throw rate allowed. VCU, second nationally in free throw rate, uh, excuse me, free throw attempt rate. They need to get to the line to score, basically, and Dayton doesn't allow them to do that. So I'm not fading Dayton. Um, these games are weird last year, Jim. Dayton lost by one and won by 30 against VCU last season. So a little bit of uh, back and forth there. I'm staying fully away in this game. Yeah, I am too. Uh, the question about the total too, I sort of lean towards the over because I think it's going to be, I was talking to a, uh, a slew fan buddy that lives in Dayton. He's like, it's going to be the hypest home atmosphere. It's going to be hard to like slow the game down for the players when the energy is just crackling through that place. Uh, so I think VCU will be able to get the tempo up a little bit, force some turnovers, kind of lean towards the over. Uh, interesting thing. Dayton is 0-5 this year against the spread against top 100 teams. VCU is 100th in Ken Palm. So like, Ooh. does this tilt towards uh, this is too good of a team for them to cover or is that they're way better now and you need to throw out yeah. some of the non-con performances? Uh, I think I probably lean towards the latter there. I just think we always thought Dayton was going to be awesome. And look, here they are. They're awesome. Um, so no take for me uh, actually betting that game. All right, next up, Kent State at Ohio. Big one in the MAC. Uh, Matthew, I'll go to you first here. Kent State coming off a big Toledo win. Is there a hangover effect taking on a really well-coached Jeff Bowles squad here? Uh, I think it's a great spot to back Ohio. I, I really do. They got um, A.J. Clayton came back last game, played 29 minutes off the bench, um, had 16. Like, he's really important for this team. He's kind of like the Ven, or the Ben Vanderplas in development and grooming, um, in progress, whatever you want to call it. I think he's a huge matchup piece in this game. And even though it's their third game in a week, um, I guess it's the same for Kent state too. So I guess that negates it. So that was my one concern I wrote down for Kent state or for Ohio, but I think it's a great spot to back him. Kai. I like Jeff Bowles, uh, home should be pretty strong here today. I know travel is not great, but they have a good home court there in, in Athens. So I, I like the Bobcats catching the points. It's been mentioned in the chat. They do have a great home court, actually Top home 50 court. home court advantage per Kim Pom. Uh, they are undefeated at home this year. They're four and two against the spread. It's like a three hour drive from Ken, Ohio to Athens, Matt. I did look that up. Yes, I did. Um, Ohio solid, but not the same level as they have been. And Kent state's awesome. They're much better on both ends. They're way more athletic. They have the better backcourt by a mile spreads tough. It might be a little bit high here, Jim. I lean Ohio, I guess on the number, but I'm not fading Kent state. No, sir. Won't do it. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't say either four and a half, five, four and a half, five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Kent state's been fantastic man uh, also kind of like them first half they're another team that's been really solid there uh, I think what two games ago they struggled in the first half I think there was some look ahead to Toledo in that situation I think they'll continue to be a very strong first half team uh, would, would lean that way if I was betting this one all right next up back to the big 10 Nebraska at Purdue Kai the Boilers laying 14 and a half at home 15 in some places this was a super close game in Lincoln. Nebraska gave them everything they can handle. They do this action with Derek Walker initiating at the top that kind of pulls Edie away, makes it hard for him to help against guards on handoffs. Does that continue to frustrate Purdue enough that Nebraska hangs around or are the Boilers going to roll at home? I kind of lean roll, Jim. Uh, Purdue's awesome. I know it's a very high spread. They nearly lost in Lincoln, the overtime game. Mason Gillis wasn't in that game. He matters somewhat, maybe not 15 points, but Nebraska hasn't been good this January. Smoked by Michigan State, smoked by Illinois. Uh, overtime winning against Minnesota. Mackey's a tough place to play. 
Also in game one, Matt, Nebraska was fortunate. Purdue was ice cold from three, seven for 29. Also 12 for 20 from the free throw line. Not a typical Purdue thing to do. Uh, I tend to lean into blowout here. I think Purdue finds the range. I think they continue their interior dominance and their home floor extra boost. I'm leaning Purdue even at 14 and a half. Yeah, I like Purdue here. Um, Don't like taking big double-digit dogs, and especially in power conference games, especially with a team like Nebraska that was playing better, although you're right, I think they're starting to kind of show some some wear and tear, and without Jawan Gary in this matchup, that, that's going to be a huge issue. Um, Purdue just makes shots, stay at home, like the friendly confines of Mackey, uh, those young guards knock down open looks um, when Mr. Edie is not being swallowed up front. But, I mean, I think without Gary, it's going to be tough to guard a 1v1 with Walker. It's basically impossible to guard Edie 1v1 with anyone in the country. So I think Purdue has plenty of ways to score here, and barring some, like, you know, superhero shot-making expose by the Husker guards, I just don't think they keep it that close. Yeah, I always feel like Purdue's more apt to smash at home. Uh, they just get the crowd on their side, Mackey, and you get a couple buckets early to Edie inside. They start having to overly help and double. And I think this Purdue team can shoot well enough to uh, run away with it. Like you guys mentioned, Gary matters a lot. Like he, the versatile defensive piece there can pretty much guard all five positions when Zach Edie isn't the uh, towering big five man on the floor. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you guys. I would, I would lean towards Purdue. Last one on the outline. Maddie Mack, we're going to you. Sienna at Niagara. Sienna laying two on the road. We already talked about the Buffalo road trip and how it's kind of a pain for these teams. Niagara, the ultimate feisty, slow it down, grind the game to a halt squad under Greg Paulus this year. What do you got here with Javen McCollum and Jace Johnson, both questionable for the Saints? Yeah, and the market still bets Sienna up a point, so maybe they think one of those guys uh, is playing. I mean, the one that matters is obviously McCollum. Like, he's really become, like, the star in this league. I mean, not, like, picket level, but he's kind of has, like, that talent that's probably too good for this conference. Um, but Greg Paulus is the ultimate just evil wizard magician. Somehow is competitive, somehow is good, does more with less every year. Um, and he is a really good, I think, game-to-game adjuster and scouter. It's just – it's always a tricky spot fade Niagara. Like, you really have to get a good price – a really good match, a really good spot. I think I've learned this lesson in the past fading Greg Paulus, so I'm not going to take it, Kai, especially with those guys, Dicey. Yeah, you have to know McCollum's status. He's key. Sienna's winning without him. Uh, they they won their last MAC game. They won against American, yeah, but he's still key. Sienna's 5-0 in the MAC, man. They're very impressive, but like I said earlier, like Jim said again, this Buffalo trip is tough. Sienna lost by 22 last year in Niagara, by 2 in 2021, by 1 in 2020. Overtime in 19, that's their last win at Niagara, 2019. Niagara's been strangely good also, but they lost to Manhattan. It's the Mac. Anything can happen here. They squeeze the air out of every possession. They play among the slowest tempos in the country, and they play enough defense to kind of scrap wins. Even though Sienna's much better, I'm scared of this road trip. I'm scared of maybe no McCollum. I'm kind of tempted actually by plus two Niagara, Jim. Oh, there he is. Getting a little purple eagerly on me. Tempted. Um, I will not bet this game unless McCollum is out, and then I will hit the under. I, I think without him to initiate the offense. Yes. Niagara's ability to slow the game down and muck it up. I think that will make the under uh, rather appealing. If McCollum's in there, no, no way. I'm not doing it because he is like kind of a singular creation force in this league, uh, arguably top two for player of the year with Jenkins from Iona. So it's definitely a hinge handicap based on whether he's in there or not. All right. That's it for the outline. Kai, any other questions rolling through chat mob? I know there's only like five games not on the outline. I'll believe Ed when he says the only game left is Mount St. Mary's. <laughs> so Manhattan is at Mount St. Mary's. Uh, the spread is six at Bet Rivers. 
Uh, I'm not betting Manhattan ever, but Mount St. Mary's has not been very good this season, Jim. What do you think? Uh, yeah, two teams I've had a hard time figuring out. Like I thought I had been too high on Manhattan, yep. adjusted their rating way down. And then, like you said, they just beat Niagara. I was like, oh, okay. guess <laughs> I should have kept my rating where it was. I would have bet on them. Uh, okay. So, yeah, too, a little too whack-a-mole for me. Uh, and looks like we have one more Mac game. Today. Yes, I lied. Matthew Fairfield, 16-point dog to Iona. I thought it was too high. I took I took Fairfield. Um, Did you? Don't love it. Don't love it. Yeah, Fairfield's not totally incompetent. But Iona, Iona is off that big loss. They could smash. I fully yeah. acknowledge that. What do you think? But so I looked at that angle last year. I was like, okay, Iona off a loss. You, yeah, you're kind of like, all right, angry. They're gonna blow out whoever they play next. Like last year, they lost to Niagara on the road, then they came back, or then they lost to Siena again the next night. Um, they lost at uh, lost at St. Louis and came back and barely beat Fairfield actually on the road. So I mean, I don't feel like that's a relevant angle just based on last year's precedence. I don't feel like Iona is a super holy crap juggernaut that we may have thought for a hot. They're a really good team, but they're not like invincible. So um if you're a, i'm not a fearful guy so i think i'd be on fair just like for maris maybe got like a better price or other team in the mac i liked relatively more i'd back it but i just don't like fairfield so i didn't take it fairfield's better than maris they are i'm saying if i got maris at like 20 or something like a price okay. adjusted just a team i like relatively more but i'm kind of selling fairfield i guess i, I just want to commend matt for editing himself from sh- to crap like he's really he only see almost that jeff said, see that rob that. right here pg <laughs> how about that uh yes. one thing to mention there too walter clayton might be back for iona he matters a lot um, I think if he's out, then Fairfield definitely a bargain there. But if he's back in, maybe it's properly priced. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, all right. That's it for chat mob. Matt, reiterate your best bet since we've talked about every game. Cornell, big red. The uh, the fighting Earls, just backdoor cuts for oops <laughs> or acrobatic layups and tough threes all night long. And then just weird turnovers that create more of that going the other way. So go big red. Yeah, I hope they score 100, Matt, and Yale scores 90, and we get an easy over. My best bet's the Cornell over, the Yale over, over, excuse me, plus 145 and a half. Plus 145, I like that. One Plus, plus 145, 145 and a half. 145 <laughs> yeah. and a half. Big Again. spread there, big spread. Uh, and my best bet is also an over. It is Michigan State and Illinois, over 137. Again, uh, large stretches without a, stra- a shot blocker in the Big Ten is rare, and I think we'll see that in this game. A little bit of the slingshot effect from their prior games, so that's where I'm going for my best bet. Fellas, we'll be back tomorrow, 10, 15 a.m. Central, 154 games. 52. Oh my God. 152, is it? Yeah, oh, I think it's the biggest ever. Biggest ever. Yep. Yeah. Over 300 teams in action. It's absolutely ludicrous. We'll do our best to get through as many games as possible in the chat mob section. Hopefully, yeah. Matt will be in charge. We like to overwhelm him. Uh, but thank <laughs> you for tuning in. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for tuning in on this fine Friday. Thanks to Bet Rivers. Thanks to Field of 68. Shouts to Dagan behind the scenes, our producer. What eggs? That's it. We'll see you guys tomorrow.